In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Has anybody here ever heard of the Samaritans? Of course you have. Even people who don't come to church know the word Samaritan. We've all heard something about Jesus' parable of the so-called good Samaritan. The man who stopped to help a victim who had been assaulted by robbers, two well-regarded religious travelers did not stop for the victim. But the Samaritan did, at great expense, and so he is known forever as the good Samaritan. Today, many states have so-called good Samaritan laws that make it easier for citizens to help others in need without having to incur unnecessary liability. The words good and Samaritan are tied together for most of us. Anybody who goes out of their way to help another person is often called a good Samaritan. That's all well and good. This lesson is simple. Help each other. But the word Samaritan has not always meant good. In Jesus' time, first century Judea, the word Samaritan did not connote anyone good or well-regarded at all. Samaria, where the Samaritans lived, was not Judea, where the pure-bred Jews of the first century lived. So, I propose on this rainy morning, a little history lesson. I entreat you to be like a kind traveler today, going out of your way to hear me out. Today, I present a short historical summary of the Samaritans. The first thing to say is this. What we consider the land of Israel today has, for most of its history, been several different countries or kingdoms. Even in the Bible, what we now consider Israel was rarely united. In fact, the only era in which Israel was truly united was during the reign of King David. That's why David is so highly regarded in Scripture. 
He was a uniting king. For most of the other biblical history before Christ, there were two different kingdoms described. The southern kingdom, where Jerusalem was, was called Judah. The northern kingdom was called Israel. Right. The kingdom called Israel did not include Jerusalem. In the south, the capital of Judah was Jerusalem. In the north, the capital of Israel was originally Shechem. Later, the capital of the northern kingdom was Samaria. Alas, this northern kingdom was overthrown in 722 BC by the Assyrians. When the Assyrians took over, they exiled many of the Hebrews, and it's generally assumed that the remaining Hebrews up north intermarried with the Assyrians. The Bible says that the Assyrians brought in citizens from five other countries to live in Samaria. Actually, accounts differ. Yes, our present Bible considers the people of Samaria to be of mixed ethnic and religious background as a result of this tragic Assyrian invasion. They were known as pagans, half-breeds. However, there is actually a, a competing history, another strain of Samaritan history that claims otherwise. These Samaritans claim that they actually successfully survived the invasion of the Assyrians and that they are purely descended from the original tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. Furthermore, they hold that the word Samaria is actually derived from the Hebrew word for keep and observe. Thus, they say, these real Samaritans are those who truly kept the original Torah. They observed the real Torah the first five books of the Hebrew Scripture. Indeed, it was this northern kingdom 
where many of the Jews' ancient holy sites existed. Names you know, names like Bethel, Gilgal, Beersheba, Shechem, Shiloh. These places we read about in our present-day Bible were all holy places of the northern kingdom, not the southern kingdom. In particular, they were not Jerusalem. The southern kingdom, where Jerusalem was, was not overthrown by Assyria in 722 B.C. It continued to exist for 150 years until 587 B.C. It was then that they were overthrown by the Babylonians. It was then that their temple, the great Jerusalem temple, was destroyed. Essentially then, there's an old rivalry between the holy places of the northern kingdom, Israel, and the holy places of the southern kingdom, Judah, where Jerusalem is. What we read about in our scriptures today is most definitely written from the perspective of the southern kingdom, Judah, where Jerusalem is. Of course, this is also the kingdom from which the Messiah is to come, Jesus himself. Get it? There'll be a quiz at four o'clock this afternoon. Shechem, Shechem, one of the earliest Hebrew holy places, became the capital of Samaria. And just southwest of Shechem was a special mountain. Mount Gerizim. Mount Gerizim is the holy mountain of the Samaritans, the Mount of Blessing. It's where the blessings were pronounced in the book of Joshua. It is where the Samaritans kept the feast of Passover, Pentecost, and tabernacles. It was and is a truly holy mountain. But not according to the first century Jews of Jerusalem. The Jerusalem Jews considered themselves more purely bred. They had not intermarried, nor worshipped false gods. The Jerusalem Jews in the south did not 
trust the Samaritans of the north. The people of Jerusalem thought that the Samaritans no longer followed the correct traditions. They had been tainted. This background is the power behind Jesus's parable of the good Samaritan, the man who was an outcast. Jesus shocked his Judean Jewish listeners when he suggested that a Samaritan could actually prove to be more of a good neighbor than a good Judean Jew. And Jesus is doing the same thing in today's gospel from the Gospel of John. Traveling to Galilee, Jesus decides to go through Samaria. And it is in this ancient place where Jacob's well was that he engages in this fascinating discussion with a Samaritan woman. This historical context explains why the Samaritan woman says what she says about this mountain. She says, our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. It was Mount Gerizim in Samaria, versus the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. It was first church in Atlanta versus second church in Atlanta. Some early Christian interpreters even say that the mention of five husbands for the Samaritan woman really refers to the five different cities from which Assyrians brought in people to occupy Samaria. Those five foreign cities brought with them five different gods, five different husbands for the inhabitants of Samaria. So go the theories, so goes the historical context. But it does seem that the Samaritans were considered half-breeds at best. Their identity and their religious practices were not trusted by the proper Jews around Jesus. And it's in this context that Jesus makes his grand pronouncement. Woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The hour is coming and now is 
when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. I know that each of us takes pride in our identities. It's a healthy thing to be proud of our ethnic identity and our cultural identity. We take pride in our national identity and certainly in our religious identity. Humanity takes such pride everywhere no matter where we are from or how old our family is. Even the various sub-communities and national identities in the Bible take pride in themselves. God takes pride in them too. But the genius of the Bible and certainly the genius of Jesus, the genius of Jesus, is that he knows how to claim the superiority of God, even at the expense of his own identity, his own national and cultural and religious identity. The living water that Jesus offers is not the insistence of purity. Jesus is not a purity insister. Jesus is not an absolutist, my way or the highway. When we receive living water, we hear the words of Jesus, God is spirit and truth. Our God is God of both the Jews and the Samaritans. In fact, God is the spirit beyond both Samaritans and Jews beyond Jews and Gentiles, beyond Christians and Jews, beyond Roman Catholics and Protestants, beyond Christians and Muslims, beyond First Church of Atlanta and Second Church of Atlanta, beyond purebred and half-bred, there's no such thing as pure bread anywhere. Beyond race and religion, beyond any identity politic, special as it may be, God is the Spirit beyond each of these holy places and higher than each of the holy mountains. God is spirit and truth. We worship God in spirit and in truth. Amen.